0: Do you remember how to uh, properly assess goodwill impairment? Oh man. Um I think if I if I was given
1: like a a multiple choice test, I I'd, I'd probably have a shot. But just being asked to um explain it verbally with no preparation, that would be that would be tough. I uh, discounted future cash flows is a phrase I think that gets used in there somewhere, right?
0: Well I mean in terms of calculating the impact to your business of botching an award show, does that Oh, oh, I
1: see. Um yeah, something something that um a particular big four public accounting firm is probably gonna have to think about. No, can I can I actually can I take the can I take the opposite the opposite hot take on all of that? Wait, have I taken a hot take? No, but I mean there's just there's been plenty of hot takes out there. Sure. So I guess let's be a little less opaque and we can explicitly say what we're talking about here, which is the, this will not age well. <laughs> the uh, complete colossal mistake that was made at the uh, end of the Oscars this past Sunday where um, the wrong envelope was handed to the presenter uh, before announcing the Best Picture winner and instead um, the Best Actress envelope which was the award prior to best picture was handed to the presenter and the movie La La Land um, whose uh, main actress Emma Stone had won that best actress award the that name of that movie was on the envelope and that was a, it was initially announced and there was this whole chaotic thing so anyway PwC formerly Price Coopers one of the big 4 public accounting firms runs all the um, vote t- tabulation and then handing out the envelopes during the show And they ultimately took uh, took responsibility. But so my 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 opposite hot take here is that this doesn't this doesn't matter at all for either the Oscars. I think there's a good case to be made that this was good for the Oscars because people are talking about it talking about that show more than they have in a long time. And for PwC, I mean, come on. If you're, I mean, I'm I'm putting my finance professional hat on here. If you you do not, you don't make the decision of your auditor, or of your consultant or your advisor based on screwing up, handing out an envelope at the Oscars. No, no responsible VP of finance or CFO, whoever's making that kind of decision would base which firm they go with on something like the Oscars. And if they do, then I judge them negatively for that.
0: Of course and i and I say this only only as a joke, but it, just because they will be the butt of a joke for the next i don't know probably two years in those circles,
1: yeah, but I, you know i the other thing I think too is that I think there's a better than not chance that the academy will just keep p w c because I think
0: well, I think they've already said that, yeah, there's just oh, okay. these two specific partners will not be asked to return
1: yeah when i I think that's smart because all changing firms would do is just bring more attention to the problem and i think the academy is to the point now where they would just like to move on
0: yeah again this is more of a typographical issue than anything else because it should be immediately obvious which award you're reading for and on that particular card um best picture was the smallest thing on it
1: well, and they had redesigned the envelopes this year, where it was a red envelope with like bright gold text, which on a brightly lit stage is probably damn near impossible to read. So, the, a lot of a lot of things came came together there.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, that's that. Uh, that was my big uh big insider joke attempt. So, um. <laughs> yeah let's get to it this is uh this is gonna be a messy show today. I apologize for the lack of preparedness for uh the folks out there but Yeah, the the people the people like the ones where you're not overly prepared. i am zero prepared this week so good they are in luck uh-huh they're they're getting uh uh a double double today. <laughs> nice nice attempt at a segue i think except i'm not i'm not going to that just yet because that wasn't very successful but uh the only thing I'll, i will tease out is that um i have just moved and therefore i have a lot of things to review and um but think but uh things are messy i hope the internet doesn't die in the middle of this because i still haven't figured out how to buy or how to configure that uh unnecessarily complicated router i'm trying to use with the eero so um, oh my god I spent an hour on it. Um, I couldn't get past. I like because it runs on Linux and it does. It, there's a whole bunch of it's. You li- literally, if
1: you just took the Eero out of the box, like any normal human that's being, that's currently you, how it's running.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah,
1: and you saw you're up and running in what twelve minutes, maybe, and most of that is just because you probably had to update to the latest firmware.
0: Well, no, but uh, okay, there's like eight reasons why I don't like it already and where I think I've been misled by you. <laughs> so hold on. Well, do do you do you want to get to that now or do you want like a week with it? No, no, just real quick. I want to clear up a couple things. Okay. Did you, I could have sworn I asked you, can you have a separate five gigahertz network and a separate whatever? And you said yes, I think.
1: No, I think my response was that I didn't even bother looking because I've moved past that part of my life where I care about things like
0: that. Well, no. So, what do you do? Because maybe this is outdated knowledge, and you can you can school me on this. But um, I thought if you connected a device that like doesn't support 802.11 AC or 802.11n, like a lot of these um, like smart home devices, um, that it slows down your network entirely. Is that no longer the case? Um, as as far as
1: I can tell, that doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, my my wireless performance, like if I just do a speed test um, on any of my Wi-Fi connected devices, I get the same up and down speed that I get on devices that I have hardwired. Um, and my <clears throat> my network transfer speeds like to um, what's it? What's what's the NAS that I have called the Synology um, are faster than they've than they've been before. And I've, a lot of that is because at my my old setup in my old apartment. I was I sort had a hodgepodge of Ethernet cables, so I'm pretty sure that I had like a bunch of like Cat five cables mixed in there, and I think that that can slow you down. So I I made sure to have all Cat six this time around. Um, but no, I, I don't I don't I don't think any of that stuff really makes a difference anymore. Okay. Or if it does, I can't tell.
0: Yeah the the quick review I will give of the Eero is pretty easy to set up although it seemed to be really picky and said i didn't have an internet connection like six times when i tried to set it up but that's okay um the performance is insanely good like yeah. speed speed test on my iphone like i'm getting the full 250 megs down so that's pretty jesus, good jesus you get 250 mm-hmm. are you on cable town
1: yeah wow what what plan do you have uh i think it's called blast pro or
0: something oh okay yeah, I, I get I get 130. <clears throat> so but the the other thing with that, well actually a a, a tangent for that is even with two uh, I just did a speed test, 238 down, only 12 up. <laughs> it's about the same. same that I get. That seems weird. Like I know that I want people like running home servers and like doing like weird stuff, but that seems slow. Yeah. That's that's impressive speed though. Yeah. Um and also I I when I ordered the Euro, I bought a two pack, but I don't I've only set up one and I know every like maybe I don't need two.
1: Yeah, I I know. I So the thing that I notice is that like if, as I'm walking with my phone around the apartment, so it, it sort of just it just changes EROS like when it thinks it needs to and more often than not even when I'm on the complete opposite end of the apartment, it stays connected to the ERO here in in the main living room as opposed to the bedroom one which would be closer to that side of the house. Um which is pretty impressive because, you know, my whole um my whole reasoning for getting an Eero is because my airport extreme was not reaching the other side of the apartment effectively. So I don't I don't know what kind of what kind of magic they're doing, but yeah, even just one standalone Eero seems
0: really good. So here's the thing, I don't know if I should like not set up the second one because I know there's still that lingering Wi Fi calling bug. Because the thing is like where the Didn't
1: they fix that?
0: i don't know i thought they as part of the latest firmware i thought they had a fix for that like at the time i bought it it was still an issue
1: yeah they've come out with one or two updates
0: since that and the thing is like the Eero is currently set up like in this like makeshift like server closet thing that i have which is like literally in the exact center of the apartment which Hmm. means like hmm i think it probably gives me the so i don't know can you sell a standalone Eero? That came in a two-pack? I thought they... Didn't they have...
1: Don't they have some kind of program where you can... If you don't need one, you can send it back? Hmm. I thought that was always part of the standard podcast ad read, is that you could, you know, purchase as many as you think you need, and then you can return whatever you end up not needing. Even beyond the return policy? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, no. but... yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, well, when you have your mansion someday, you can just have that second euro... You know, queued up and ready to go.
0: <laughs> well, no, I think I would have my fleet of corgis would each have um a little uh like um backpack that has an arrow on it. You you think you'd refer to them as a fleet of corgis? I couldn't think of the proper word. Uh, stable flock.
1: I kind I kind of like a flock of corgis. Yeah, mm. but I don't know.
0: Fleet fleet is funnier, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, much, much to be in the works. So um, yeah, so you,
1: you're you either going to have a um, steady stream of picks of the week or a steady stream of things to complain about. So either way, good for the show.
0: Didn't, uh, didn't I th- make up a term for a segment we had for things we didn't like or things that turned out to be a, a bust? It, it Probably, it
1: probably, and it probably involved Cactus of Society in the title somehow.
0: Oh, you bet we're talking about the day. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I am... Not pleased, but I'm, conv- I'm vindicated. I'm vindicated that I've been on this Uber is kind of scummy for like four years now, where everybody seems to just like uh, look past it after four days. Anytime uh, there's something bad that happens, mm-hmm. but let's uh, let's get into it. So you inputted something into our ideas thing uh, from the <laughs> Ringer, which is. Um, the thing done by what's his face? Bill Simmons. Yes, yes. Any given Wednesday, um, about the top fifty fast food items in America.
1: Yeah. Um, so this has been Food Week on the Ringer, and they've done a lot of really good podcasts and articles and just lots of lots of neat stuff this week on the, on the site. So I highly recommend people check that out. But I think the the highlight so far has been this top 50 fast food items in America list. And they, they've they've got a couple of different subcategories that you can dig into like fries and burgers and things, but then they also just have, you know, the actual top 50 list itself, which is a mix of of all those things. And, you know, it's, it's a, um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting list that I, I find myself agreeing with large parts of it and disagreeing with large parts of it.
0: So let's let's jump into the most important one. So let's look at fries. So I th- so, they, so they, with each of
1: these subcategories, I have to remind myself here. So fries, they just do like the top five burgers. They do like the top eleven. I assume they all add up to. Oh, are they? They're just taking. Oh, I see. Okay, they're just taking the top fifty. Okay,
0: um, probably. Oh, yeah. Okay. So fries. So I I. I- Agree. I think the number one and two are interchangeable. I think it depends on your preference. Chick-fil-A waffle fries. If you have them immediately when they're, they're made are pretty damn near perfect. And McDonald's fries are also the same thing. They do not age well. Like, I mean, even 30 minutes past when you get them as, as Darth alluded to earlier today, <laughs> yeah. they, um, they, they lose a lot of what makes them, uh, he said palatable. he
1: said he understands if you just literally stay stopped in in the drive-through as you eat it. Like he won't yeah. he won't get mad if he's behind you.
0: Yeah, you just you just jingle the the fry little bucket, right? Uh huh. Sleeve, something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think these are interchangeable. Um. To be honest, I've never been doing Arby's ever just I, due to I pride. Haven't either. Mm-mm. And I also have never tried animal style fries. I've never done any off menu ordering at In n Out.
1: Animal style fries are really, really good, but man, having that and a hamburger just sort of—I—I—I I, 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 take a nap. Yeah, I—I like I, I can't tell you. It—it it, it has to be since college, actually, probably high school. Since the last time I had animal style fries, <laughs> and I—I I, I think that, I think that time in my life is probably past. Yeah,
0: no more three a.m. In and Out runs for you. No in the Sebring convertible. <laughs>
1: That's right. Um, um I so I've never so number 5 on the list are the um I think maybe just run through the t- the five here. So waffle fries from Chick-fil-A, McDonald's number 2, curly fries number 3 from Arby's, In-N-Out animal style fries 4, and then Cajun style fries from Five Guys at number 5. I I went to a Five Guys for the first time recently. Just just a couple of months ago. Eh I I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't super impressed. Like overall, I felt like it was just an inferior version of In-N-Out.
0: Yeah, I've only been to Five Guys twice. Um and it's it's fine. I didn't think the burgers were that good. The fries were 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 nice, but I no, I th- I think it it kind of deserves to be down there. I'd kind of go the other way with it. I I think the
1: burger was fine but i i thought the fries were really disappointing
0: yeah i, I don't know yeah it it's been a few months so i'm actually not sure and again and i know this is like a national thing so therefore there's probably like a minimum number of uh franchises or locations that of like kind of a threshold that they that they had but again i like to to put like a, a like a cap on this entire topic is is that i really wish super duper wasn't here cuz they would win both categories actually three of them hmm super duper has the best fries of any sorry the best garlic fries of any fast food or fast casual restaurant that i've ever had
2: hmm consistently
0: great regular fries actually mcdonald's might get the edge but they're good they're very good and the burgers are better like a double double does not do it for me. Well so in that case let's let's transition over to burgers. Okay. Yeah, double double number 1. Five Guys bacon cheeseburger. We just talked about that. Animal style burger. Never had it so I can't uh, speak to it. Big Mac, it's been like 5 years but no. And there are no Shake Shack's except for I think Las Vegas or like one in Los Angeles. So therefore not applicable to us. I, I I've been to one. How was it? I went to I, I went out on my way
1: to go um one of the New York trips I had a couple years ago.
2: Uh,
0: again, eh, eh, I mean it's fine, um but you know. So what's their claim to fame? Like everybody, I I hear a lot of like positive buzz and stuff about Shake Shack all the time. <laughs> yes, think, like what is, what is I their it's, thing? M- m- it's it's um <laughs> it's located in places where people have generally never had access to In and Out. Is that their thing, that in and outs a West Coast place, and they're mainly East Coast, and they're both moving in opposite directions, and they're going to fight? I, I mean, I, I I guess so, yeah. Because I—well,
1: I, I don't let me, let me pause here for a second. So In-N-Out, I, I, I will profusely say good things about, and we'll put it over most other fast food places. However, I would say that while, you know, the burgers, I think, are excellent—I I totally disagree with you on the double-double thing— it's fine. I I think it's fantastic, but the the fries at In and Out are really disappointing. I I don't think there's it, it's no secret why they put the animal style fries instead of just regular fries on that list that we just talked about a minute ago. Because regular fries at In and Out are just kind of eh, I mean they're fine, but
0: they're not they're not great. Okay, so. It, it, I, it turns out I kind of lied about the no off-menu ordering thing, because one thing that you can specify at In-N-Out is you can you can ask for your fries either well done or extra crispy, and that makes a world of difference. They're still they're still not great, but I had a friend who did that, and I I didn't know that was a thing,
1: and I I've never tried it myself, but
0: worth trying. I, I do think that In-N-Out tends to oversalt their fries, and that's one thing I I am very particular about. Also
1: on on this list that I that I think is a little too low on the on the burger side are um, is the steak burger from Steak and Shake. I'm assuming you've never been to a Steak and Shake.
0: What is a Steak and Shake?
1: It's another kind of East Coast or even like Midwest chain. Um, I went to one when I was in Missouri last year for the first time, and I, I had never had never heard of it before. But upon landing in St. Louis, I felt like I just saw ads for it everywhere. Um, and it, it is wonderful, good burger, good fries, and really good shakes across the board. Really good.
0: Okay. So point of order or a clarification, can you like, cause this goes back to the thing where you talked about animal style fries and in a burger, I, I, I love milkshakes, but I can't ever eat an entire burger and also have a milkshake. Cause again, then nice I just want to take a nap or just like go crawl somewhere. So how, well, how does the, that?
1: When I went to the um, when I went to the steak and shake in Missouri, it was a very late night dinner. So going to sleep afterwards is exactly what we did.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't seem that pleasurable, or like, or it just seems like you would kind of not.
1: Well, it's not something
0: I'm doing every weekend, but it seems like it would detract from just having one alone.
1: Um. I mean, I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but yeah. I, I think in a situation like that, where I know I'm not going to be going back anytime soon, you got to make the most of it. Yeah, like with the In and Out thing, like we said, I I would not ever go into an In and Out today. I'll, well, maybe I will now and get it animal
0: style fries and a burger. But um, can you order just two orders of animal style fries and to say call that a meal? <laughs> That's no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I'm, I'm seems... sure you could. Yeah, I'm sure you
1: could. Yeah. Um, you know, the so the other thing. Um, on this list that I, I think is is too low is the the quarter pounder, not number ten. So, growing up, we were we were a McDonald's family. If, if we if we were going to get fast food, more times than not, it was McDonald's, and the quarter pounder was absolutely my go-to, and I think it's fantastic. So, I think it being number ten is is a little a little too low. Like the like the 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 burgers that I would put below it that are ahead of it on this list. Like the Whopper, eh. um, like the Shack Burger, they the, they have the Shack Burger and the Double Shack Burger. Like, eh, toss those out. The Big Mac, no way. Animal Style Burger, never had it, but I assume that would be good. So, like on my list, I think that I think the Quarter Pounder would probably be number two behind the Double Double.
0: So you bring up an interesting point. And I think that's something we, we haven't talked about, but we probably should eventually, is that, like, as, at least in our day and age of people who grew up in the 90s and stuff, like, you were always, like, a family that did one thing or another. Like, you were either, like, a Pepsi or a Coke family or something like that. And, yeah, Burger King is is kind of gross, and and, and the only thing you could be is a McDonald's family, except we were um, kind of a once-a-month uh, extravagant in-and-out family. So, um
1: yeah, that I think that's how I would describe us too. In and out became more of a thing like when I became an adult.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, but yeah, Burger King shouldn't really. All their food's kind of gross.
1: I think their fries are pretty good. I'm surprised the fries weren't on that on the list.
0: But didn't they go through a whole thing like in like 2005 where they like pretended to like reinvent their fries and they went back on it or something? Am I'm... I misremembering that? You're misremembering
1: that they did reinvent their fries, and and they were really good. But when did that happen? Um I don't. It was it was a while ago. 2005 sounds perhaps
0: right, or maybe even earlier than that. Actually, I don't know because all, all my opinions and my data points around the quality of Burger King come from like the the one in where we grew up, like in 1994. So therefore, that does not. Look yeah, that one that
1: one's not there anymore.
0: I assume nothing is there anymore.
1: No, it, it's a, um... oh crap, what is it now? It's
0: a, it's, an, it it's the one, another. It the one that used to be next to Ralph's, right?
1: Yeah, and it's another fast food place that's not, not as big of a chain as Burger King. I can't think of it. Anyway, not important, but. A Panera? <laughs> no, it's not a, not a Panera. Carl's Jr.? Well, then there's a, there's the Carl's Jr. across the street. Hmm.
0: That is one fast food restaurant I literally, on principle, will never will just not go into because of the ads, the ads and just the entire entire like skeevy company. Yeah, yeah.
1: We would we'd go there occasionally, um, but a lot of a lot of times that was for because the the one that uh, maybe they're maybe they're all this way now, but at least. Um, growing up, I think the one near us was one of the earlier ones to get the whole like green burrito thing,
0: Mm -hmm. a little hybrid restaurant within a restaurant.
1: Yeah. So they, they'd have like a bunch of Mexican food items and those were actually pretty good. So if we wanted like a little bit of like quick Mexican food takeout, that would be
0: a, a good option. Well, so that's the thing that seems, well, so two points. Um, I don't think there are any Carlos juniors in, in Northern California. Are there? Oh, sure. There's two or three here in San Francisco. Hmm. Okay. Um, and also I don't think this was only something I realized when I moved up here is that, and I don't think it's a thing in Southern California is like the combination fast food restaurant, like where whoever owns KFC will frequently do combination KFC and Taco Bells. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a couple of those in San Francisco too. No, no, they're all up here, but I've, I, when in Southern California, I never saw one. And, like, Del Taco is barely a thing up here, but it was bigger down there. There was,
1: um, right near Mission Viejo High School, there was an, a Taco Bell, and then just, like, just right down the street, I think, in the same shopping center, there was a KFC. But no, they they were not combined into the same building.
0: Well, no, like, that's the thing, where literally they are, like, double-branded and yeah. in the same box, and it's just, like, you know, like, it just forces you to realize as a consumer... Oh, it's the same company making all this stuff. It's just <laughs> literally processed food that's just gonna kill you faster. Yeah. Well, that's actually uh, somewhat
1: of a segue into kind of another point that I. It's kind of tangentially related to all this, which is, so as a kid, fast food was a huge treat because you, know, <laughs> you know, like you know, yeah. Well, generally, like you know, I was no, lucky. Yeah, I yeah. was lucky to have parents that you know, generally wanted me to eat the right things and mm-hmm. be physically active and all all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, fast food was not something we were having every night. And so when we did, it, w- it was a treat. And when you're a kid, fast food is, is awesome. But, you know, one thing that I um, have found in recent years is that, you know, I have absolutely zero desire to, like, go to McDonald's or, you know the one of my more recent um examples of this was a couple of years ago there was an, an Applebee's that opened up here in Fisherman's Wharf and it was like it's this if it, if anybody's walked by it, it's like this like crazy, kinda weird looking um Applebee's. And like, you know, I hadn't been to one in forever and when it was kind of like, eh, this is kinda gross and terrible. And I think that's like with some of the some of this like fast food stuff that like, you know, you haven't had since you were ten or twelve years old. I bet if you had it now it it would not be what you remember it being.
2: Yeah. A, a, I mean I little... mean
1: some some of that stuff doesn't fall into that category. Like certainly In and Out's as good as ever, but
0: No, I think that applies I, I, I totally take that point. And I think that it applies more to places that are like an Applebee's or like a TGI Fridays or something like that. I think fast food sort of is more um is more universal and that kind of thing. I don't know, but yeah, no, like, I think as as you grow up, especially in, in living in Northern California and also being more, like, politically in that slant, like, the whole eating healthy and organic and farmer table uh, propaganda is the wrong word, like, very, like, consistent messaging that you hear does kind of beat the, the fast food craving out of you. Yeah,
1: it does. I just yeah. think as, I don't know what it is be, being an adult, but it just sort of, it takes the the desire to eat a lot of this stuff away or at the very <laughs> least, it, like it makes it so that like, yeah, okay, maybe you'll go to a McDonald's once a year or even like In-N-Out. I mean, In-N-Out I go to maybe twice a year and it's almost always, you know, on trips. It's not like, I, <laughs> I don't just sit
0: here like on a Thursday night and go, oh, I should go to In-N-Out. Yeah. Yeah. Fast food's, I don't know. For me, like I, I will go to super duper about once a month and then maybe the only other thing that's close to fast food would be like, um, a Panera or unfortunately if I'm really desperate, like a Starbucks breakfast sandwich type thing. Um, but yeah, gr- growing up stinks.
1: Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, a <laughs> word of advice, um, with the Starbucks stuff, don't ever look up the nutritional facts on those sandwiches. Oh, no.
0: We've covered this. Have and we? And also, we have covered this in depth. And also, you, I think 10 episodes ago, people, the listeners can look it up and write in. Um, you tried to convince me that uh, the Pete's uh, hot sandwich menu was—you weren't saying good for you, but you were like, oh, it's fine. And you looked up <laughs> like the contents of like this flatbread sandwich, something that you liked, and it had like 28 grams of fat, and it was just like, it was like death on a plate. <laughs> Or sorry, yeah. death in a, in a in a paper wrapper or
1: whatever. Yeah, that this is this is starting to ring a bell.
0: So, so okay, and then chicken sandwiches. Or, here's the thing: how on earth? So I've never been to a Popeyes chicken, but apparently that's number one. And then Chick fil A, the regular chicken sandwich is number two, and then the spicy chicken sandwich is number three, which makes no sense because um, the chicken sandwich you might as well just it tastes like nothing. Um. McNuggets have always been kind of gross. Like even for chicken nuggets, they're kind of barely food. Um what's a raising canes? Well, which number is that? That's number eight under chicken sandwiches. I don't know. I've literally never heard of that.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Apparently
0: it's in Louisiana.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
0: Well, so okay, so I, I think this this the chicken category gets
1: weirder. Um, it's another, it's another, um, burger chain. I think they actually opened one. I think they might've opened one in Daly city recently or something. Um,
0: if they're getting this regional, then super duper should be on this list. But anyway,
1: um, yeah, actually, if super duper was on this list, that their chicken sandwich would be high on this list for me. Their chicken sandwich is surprisingly tasty. It is. It's excellent. I actually get that more often than the burgers there.
0: But do you get the garlic fries every visit, or
1: do you not? Not every visit, no. So the, the the chicken the chicken category I think is weird because to me it's hard to combine or even compare chicken sandwiches versus like chicken nuggets. Because like just personally, like I would almost never order a chicken sandwich from a fast food restaurant. If I'm gonna be a fat ass and eat at one of these places. I'm going to just go for it and get a hamburger. But, you know, occasionally something like chicken nuggets sound pretty good. So I, I don't know. To me, combining the sandwiches with the the nuggets, that's, 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 that's an apples and oranges comparison.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, chicken nuggets in most places aren't really that good unless you go for chicken tenders, which are also kind of weird and only slightly closer to actual food um yeah i um i've only
1: been to popeyes once and it was it was in las vegas so <clears throat> so i can't i can't necessarily attest to you know i guess the chain as a whole maybe that location in vegas is just is not very good but um i was supremely disappointed. There's one here in San Francisco. I could 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 try that, but you
0: know, yeah, I don't think you should. No, I don't think so either.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, Chick Fil A. I'll, I'll support with two and three. Chick Fil A. I've only been to once or twice. There there really aren't any up here, but there are a couple um, in Southern California. So when I go down there, I, I've been and generally that's that's pretty good. Um, well,
0: just on, up in the next the next time you're heading up to Sonoma or you're going to, to Wine Country, just stop in Nevada, get yourself a Chick Fil A. spicy chicken sandwich and it's, is it's there a good, is there one up there mm-hmm. it's a good palate cleanser it, it's great for it pairs well with a nice red with a nice cabernet um you know also i, I
1: just remembered there's there's a burger king up by you too just off the freeway real real, uh, real close to your new place
0: i don't think there is there is uh,
1: no i'm sure I'm, you drive right
0: by it i don't trust me i well <laughs> maybe it's a little north of where you are but no, uh, Burger King's gross. I'm sorry, because <laughs> because going through the chicken sandwich list, like I just had like evil flashbacks to childhood, and this chicken sandwich from Burger King is, I think, one of the worst things I've ever eaten. I I had that a few times as a kid, and yeah, it was fine. Yeah,
1: just no. The this um
0: when we were growing up, there was uh something that I think was a regional promotion that some of our um McDonald's had. It was called Bucket O' Fries. It was literally like a forty-four ounce drink cup just filled with fries. I think that didn't do me any favors as a child.
1: Well now you can't you order the McNuggets in like fifty counts? Or maybe even more than that.
0: <laughs> do you have to sign a do you do you have to sign a waiver? <laughs> no, I think it's like a standard menu item.
2: Ugh.
0: To be honest, well, actually McDonald's, I haven't tried any of their standard stuff in a while. Um the last time I've gone, which is maybe three or four years ago like they have all this fancy food now like they have like whatever the whatever the hell angus means which i think means nothing but Eh, it just means you you can just ignore all that they they still have all the originals well no but that stuff is actually decent like whatever angus third pounder or whatever they have was actually considerably better than what i remember a big mac to be (laughs) still we've we've graduated from quarter pounders and now now we eat third pounders Again, this is the only way Americans are going to learn math. Betsy DeVos is not going to make sure anybody knows how to do fractions, so <laughs> McDonald's has to teach us.
1: Uh, um, this, so um, this is true. We we skipped over it earlier, but this the Whataburger item that's on here at number nine, the honey barbecue chicken sandwich, this thing just looks like death between two slices of really thick bread.
0: It looks... From this small thumbnail to be like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which is also (laughs) one of the grossest things in the world. Oh, wait, wait, wait.
1: No, this is, this is, I literally just had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for dinner tonight. I'm not even kidding.
0: I don't think you should admit that on the podcast. Why? I I will happily admit that on the podcast. Peanut butter sandwich, fine. If you toast the bread lightly and if you use proper kind of peanut butter, but (laughs) jelly needs to say, the fuck out of my sandwich you're such a snob i'm not it's the Toast, jelly's gross
1: Toasting the bread lightly and you're I eating have, your fancy john Siracusa i have a syracuse toaster and ever. you have, you have the same I, damn I, toaster I do. don't give me this that's true <laughs> it toasts bread very
0: well and very quickly <laughs> it's not smart though i can't there's no app i know yeah that threw me no, yeah no there's not there should not be an app alexa should not be able to talk to my toaster don't even get my ideas because I don't want them to re release this and make a version that costs twice as much that has an unreliable app,
1: <laughs> oh man, all right um so, so the, you were
0: you were saying something before all this
1: uh it's probably not important
0: no it it was something about what a burger
1: i didn't i just just literally that that the burger that's on the list just looks like death or the chicken sandwich that looks on that's on the list, and it's also one of the most expensive things, yeah, I believe that um so um, the next, the next area
0: is tacos, um, which uh, jumps off the page. I'm sorry, Jack in the Box tacos are the grossest thing on the planet. Sorry, below peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So here, okay, so here's because they're not tacos. So
1: yeah, so here's here's yeah, right. They're they're not like there are just certain food items that are like they're technically called something, but they're really. It's like something else and like the Jack in the Box tacos are a perfect example of that where they're called tacos, but comparing them to any other taco on the planet is it's again, it's an apples and oranges comparison. They're really good, I think, especially for the price, but to try to compare them to like Chipotle or Taco Bell or anything is no, it's not a not a comparison.
0: So I'm I'm going to disagree that they're good. But have you have you ever had something called pierogies? No, I don't think so. So if you google that, how do you how you spell that? P E R O G I E S. Like this is more of a Midwest like uh Illinois area thing. Like and I know this is not what Jack in the Box is going for, but their tacos strike much more of this type of thing. Like pierogies are kind of like weird Gross American style empanadas. Hmm,
2: okay. Um,
0: yeah, it's I don't know. They don't count as tacos, and they don't count as food. Um, but yeah, how many how many locations does Del Taco have? Because I think they should they should be on this list.
1: Yeah, they maybe maybe not enough locations, but yeah, no, they're they're really good. Um, so there's only four here. So there's the cheesy gordita crunch from Taco Bell, which um I'm guessing that's something you've never had. But nope, it's it's really good. So I I I don't no no problems with that being number one here. Um, so then yeah, Jack in the Box number two, soft tacos from Chipotle. I have never ordered anything other than a burrito or a burrito bowl from Chipotle. I the, the idea of ordering tacos at Chipotle to me is insane. So I can't I can't really attest to that. And then. So crunchy shell tacos from Taco Bell are are on the list at number 4. Uh, you know, like if I'm going to Taco Bell, I want something crazier than um uh, just a regular <laughs> taco. Like I went I went a few weeks ago to to have one of those um the naked chicken chalupa things.
2: <clears throat>
1: which is pretty good, I got to say. Pretty good. Okay.
0: Can we take back the part where you were acting like you were you only get in and out like twice a year? That
1: that was literally the first time I had been to Taco Bell, and like I couldn't
0: even tell you the time I went before that. Here's the thing: I don't think that's true because I remember, and, and listeners will, longtime listeners of this show will remember that, like you were one of the first people in the country to be so excited about trying like the I think it's called the Doritos uh, Crazy Taco or yeah, something. But that was that was years ago. I think you're you're probably subscribed to some kind of like private beta test group or something where they where they focus group all this crazy food. Or maybe it's
1: maybe just because this last month has felt so long that my perception of time is all messed up. So anyway, the, the, the taco category, eh, whatever. I don't I don't have strong feelings here.
0: Do you have you mentioned burrito bowls? Do you have a political or like a a reason of why you go burrito bowl sometimes? Do you think there's an angle like some people think that they get more food that way? Do you think it's that much healthier because you're skipping the tortilla? Like what's 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 your deal?
1: So I it's it's so here's my strategy. So. <laughs> if i'm going to do a burrito bowl it's because what i want to do is get the get the burrito bowl and then an order of chips. And then and then scoop, you know, scoop the the bowl contents with the chips. But the chips add like an extra 700 calories. Oh, i mean there's no there's no health considerations made between a burrito and a burrito bowl.
0: Well, a burrito bowl like just meat and vegetables and if you're if you're conservative with like the sour cream and stuff, it's actually not that uh, real you. yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're going to you're going to try to convince me that chipotle
1: you. is somehow healthy or something we're we're going to disagree there like chipotle is new blue barn but is because well, yeah, <laughs> it's like a third the price
0: well hold on is there is there a salad category on here i oh, want i want my winter salad on here <laughs>
1: um, um no the the, the 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 chipotle decision is strictly just um is just what i'm in the mood for and then around round this out, desserts. I don't, see, I don't, I don't associate fast food with
0: dessert. So I I don't really have m- opinions here. So to, real quick, uh, number one, Blizzard. I don't think I've ever been to a Dairy Queen. Uh, number two, a Frosty from Wendy's. I vaguely remember this from childhood. I think they were good, but also it's just like pureed chocolate ice cream, which how could that not be good to a six-year-old? Um, McFlurry, is that the one where they used to like grind up M&Ms into it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Then, then those were good. <laughs> yes. Um, and then baked apple pie, gross. Skip.
1: Um. So we we did not have a Dairy Queen near us until we were a little bit older. I think close closer to middle school or high school. Um. And prior to that, the only Dairy Queen that we that we'd be around would be my uh, my grandparents had one near them. And so when my sister and I stayed with them, we would go to Dairy Queen. And, and get a blizzard and they they were pretty darn good and the, the thing that the the blizzards got ahead of something like the mcflurry although i think the mcflurry diversified a little bit over time but with the blizzard there were like 25 different things you could put in it and you could just do all kinds of like weird crazy combinations whatever you wanted whereas mcflurry you only had like a few different things you could choose from
0: uh not to not to bring this back to super duper but by doing that have you ever had any other uh, milkshakes there I haven't so
1: yeah um i've I've done I think just the cookies and cream, and then for novelty's sake, one time I had it spiked where they they put um it's a um like a rice based alcohol they put a shot of in it, And you don't even taste it, so it's like uh, all right, whatever mm. um so yeah so they they've got all these categories and then they ultimately put them in like a top. Fifty lists. So, like, where I thought it was even weird to try to compare chicken sandwiches with like chicken nuggets, here they took all of the food items we just listed in their individual categories and compare them to each other. And somehow, waffle fries from Chick Fil A are number one overall.
0: Yeah. Um. And this took way longer than I thought it would, but I'm going to extend it just a tiny bit because number one in miscellaneous is the Auntie Anne's pretzel, which might top everything on this list. Uh yeah. You want yourself a good mall pretzel? Uh,
1: it's the it's fine. I I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm that excited about it, but yeah, no, Auntie Anne's is fine. Or Wetzel Pretzel or whatever you're sure. It's all it's all the same.
0: Yeah, all the same deliciousness. Okay. But that's not what people tune in for. Um <laughs> what else do we have? Can we just spend 50 minutes talking about fast food? Oh, 50 minutes for the top 50. I think that's that's appropriate. Yeah. Um, Close out all these tabs of food I can't eat. (laughs) Okay. Um, So talking about uh, messy, bad for you, things that leave you feeling (laughs) gross on the way home, Uber is in the news again. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So they've had a rough week and a half. I, Um, for like three reasons. Um, We didn't cover this last week because we were running long and also just, I think it was too, too fresh and it would have been not a productive conversation. But the first thing that hit them was like uh, a week and a half ago, uh, a woman named Susan J. Fowler, who no longer works for Uber, who now works at, I believe, um, Stripe or Square, one of those. Um, She's a reliability engineer and uh, had an absolutely terrible experience at Uber, um, being sexually harassed and, um, her case being mishandled by human resources and generally just being, um, treated hostily as an employee. So she wrote a very well-reasoned post about it, explaining what happened. And I saw it on Twitter when it was still relatively fresh and I read it almost immediately. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if this is like going to get traction or if this is going to get like swept under the rug or not, um... Really passed around much and then like two hours later it was absolutely everywhere and i was like good because it's it was a really really startling look written extremely well in a very um even-handed way that just gave an inside look at an organization that seems to like i don't know uber has this reputation of being like um uh break the rules or or like break the existing like way things are done at and succeed and grow at any cost. And that seems to manifest itself itself in, uh, sometimes hostile behavior to employees and cultivating like a, an asshole boys club. So I don't know what, what's, what's been your take on what you've seen throughout the week. There is absolutely
1: no circumstance and no outcome of, An investigation that they're supposedly doing that that can't conclude with Travis Kalanick leaving the company. Any any outcome other than that would just be entirely unacceptable. You know, I I, I'm of a strong belief that you know the the tone of a company comes from the top, and when there's a a culture that's clearly as pervasive uh, as it is at Uber that if if not being directly guided towards by leadership is at at the very least being condoned and that's that's simply unacceptable and and you know really if you want to take a completely charitable view of this and you want to try to say that he wasn't aware of this happening well then he's an ineffective executive and he should leave anyway so even even in like the the most you know Charitable explanation for it. I just can't see any way that he stays, because he's either an asshole or an idiot, and in either either case,
0: he's got to go. Well, no, hmm. I take the more pessimistic view, having looked at this company for the past like six or seven years, and I think it's the former, and I think he stays, because that's that is this company's DNA. Like, if you—man, this—I'm sad this is being recorded, but, like, if you look—like, if you could think of one slightly vulgar word to describe Uber's culture and, like, general philosophy and personality, it's probably the word you just used. I don't know, man. Like, they, they succeed at creating— A product and service that is sort of beneficial to end users, but the economics of it, the mechanics of it, and almost everything else about the company, going from predatory pricing to trying to fool drivers into thinking they're employees, even though The company leadership has a stated goal of replacing them with automated technology in years' time, uh, trying to perpetuate the idea that a side hustle is a thing. Like, there's so much about the company that, like, while this example is horrible and um, most definitely illegal and serves as what's probably... An example of what happens all too often in technology because we just generally don't hear about it, and HR and civil treatment of employees is not really a priority for most technology companies that aren't of a certain size. Like this, just it seems par for the course for them. Well, so I, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd point to people to this
1: week's episode of Upgrade for that that last point. I thought Jason Snell had a really good take on all that. But you know, like I, 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 with what you were saying in the earlier part there about that's just you know the company that they are like i i, I would take a little bit more a little bit more of a nuanced view of that i i don't think you know so uber's obviously an ultra aggressive company and they they tend to sort of just do things and you know ask questions later you know as evidenced by you know most recently the whole self driving thing here in san francisco I don't think that's necessarily one in one with the news that's come out the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're certainly related to one another, but I don't. I don't think you have to
0: have both. No, and and, and I'm I'm a kind of lumping in a story that we'll talk about right after this, but I think just that level of lack of care, and and specifically when you said that the resolution to this issue will be that Travis Clinic goes, I I don't think that's true. I think investors and uh, the people inside the company will turn a blind eye to it. Kalanick will continue to make apologies that don't mean anything. Um, And it'll just keep going. But no, for this one specific instance, no, I I don't, like, this culture that I think is, is pretty ingrained in the leadership. I'm not saying that every employee thinks this way. I think, actually, a lot of employees that are just trying to do great work on interesting and complicated technologies are are being harmed by this. But I think just ingrained in the upper ranks of leadership is is what's been toxic and, and this way for years. Hmm. And and specifically what this is um in the story, the reason um the sexual harassment and um HR violations are overlooked or like the the employee is lied to is allegedly because this person is a high performer or whatever. I forget what the actual terminology they used was. Um, But that is what I'm saying. It speaks to the culture where if Uber thinks a certain activity will help them get ahead, whether that means um, flouting uh, local or state um, transportation laws or any type of thing, or if it means protecting somebody in a position who is perhaps... Doing good work or helping the company towards its goals, but they are hurting other employees or doing that kind of stuff. I think that's why that stuff gets overlooked. And I think that kind of stuff is probably ingrained in the company culture. Hmm. But then, um, uh, I think this was on Tuesday uh, or Monday, uh, a video came out that uh, an Uber driver who was driving an Uber black car, which is their premium service, who's giving a ride to Uber CEO uh, Travis Kalanick that we've been talking about, um, recorded on dashcam cam footage, I, I assume surreptitiously, otherwise he probably wouldn't have talked this way, um, and uh, told the driver uh, who brought up points about like the rapidly declining prices of Uber rides that Uber has taken to crush competitors um, and cause this particular driver to uh, go into debt. Um uh, he, uh, told him what, what was the thing he said, uh, stop making excuses and, um, own your own mistakes or something. I, I forget what he said.
1: Yeah. Something, something like that. Like it's, uh, us lowering the amount of money you get shouldn't impact anything. You just need to take personal responsibility of your finances or something
2: like that. Yeah.
0: Like this, this I, I almost kind of feel sorry for the, like, but this is, this is not a good week. Um, yeah, like it just, I just don't think he's going anywhere though.
1: But it it feels like, I mean, well, it's so that, that, I guess maybe that's my point is that if Uber's investors and the people that support the company are serious about them
0: changing, that's not going to happen if he's still in charge. So maybe, but do you, maybe, but do you think they are? Well, I think the public is serious about them changing. I don't think the people who, I think the investors, um, and VC uh, firms that have a lot of money baked into this. Um, and are waiting on an IPO to cash out, are looking for whoever delivers the best return. That's
1: exactly why an investor would be interested in having Kalanick go, is because there's no way that Uber can become a public company with this type of culture. There's no way. Why not? Because public companies, the, the standard is entirely different. You can get away with a lot of shit when you're a private company,
0: but when you're public... Everything is out there, but I don't. I don't think Uber is practicing financial reporting impropriety. Yeah, but but when you're a public
1: company, it goes beyond. I mean, like Sox goes beyond just financial impropriety. The part of part of Sarbanes Oxley is a culture where people feel empowered to speak up, who feel that doing the right thing is always the right answer. Sarbanes Oxley goes goes beyond just getting you know debits and credits right on financial statements. And it, it well, sure, doesn't.
0: I. I I I I've, but I don't think sure speaking up but I don't think that extends to HR matters. Like I think it means like a, a duty to act to um to report any potential like conflicts of interest or, or um reporting issues or like I- illegal activities sure but there there's like you can you can be a terrible CEO and and, and run a, a bad company and be a public company that that's those are not incompatible ideas would they have more success as a public company potentially if they had somebody who was not this person potentially but i think a lot of investors who hold a, a fair share of equity in the in the company before it goes public um see somebody who has grown this company tremendously and has effectively stomped out uh, any uh, reasonable amount of competition whether legally or illegally um i don't know i, I don't think there's a lot of people have influence who are really looking for that type of change Hmm. well that's if that's true that's a shame oh most definitely but yeah this is this is the year where this country knows no shame (laughs) fair point yeah um related and you brought this up um trying to cite that we live in a bubble And not the same bubble that Kenneth the Dogs lives in. (laughs) Um, You cited a, I think it was Pew Research Study or something, that um, the vast majority of of people, including the vast majority of uh, millennial types, uh, don't use Uber.
1: Yeah, so let me, I'm pulling this up here. So yes, this is a a Pew Research Internet Study of um, young adults, urbanites, and college grads the The percentage of those groups that use ride-hailing services like Uber or Lyft. So they, they break this down into, so even if you just look at all U.S. adults, only 15%. Um, and then, you know, even just looking at like 18 to 29, which presumably would be kind of the key demographic, only 28%. So I, I think it's just, you know, it's it's a really, really good reminder that, you know, while you know we here in the Bay Area rely on Uber and you know, places like New York and other big cities rely heavily on services like that and think that they're just sort of like these key parts of everybody's life, it's not really the case everywhere. I mean, the one of the striking numbers in the study is that only three percent of people in rural areas use Uber or Lyft, and that is a huge, huge part of this country. So it's just it's a good good reminder to, you know put things in perspective and, and realize that, you know, while we get sort of caught up in, you know, things like self-driving Ubers and and all this, like it's, 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 it's important, but it's, it's important for, you know, a small subset of the population.
0: Okay. So that, that brings up, I totally forgot about the uh, self-driving Uber story. That was the other, that was the third controversy this week. Um, Yeah. Uh but yeah, yeah. I uh, I wish they had somehow. What's well, sorry? What was what was the definition of um the respondents? Just the just
1: whether or not you had used a ride-hailing service like Uber or Lyft. No, but the people that you said, like you said something about like urban millennials or something. Uh, well, so the the study breaks out, you know, eighteen to twenty-nine year olds. So only twenty eight percent of millennials, and then it also breaks out, you know, urban, suburban, rural, um, and then men, women. So what about urban millennials? So urban, Is that... er, er, well, so urban's only twenty one percent. That can't be true. It to- totally can be true. I see. I mean, every single day here in San Francisco, I see tons of people who, you know, still use like regular cabs. Or they take the bus, or they well, walk I think, I think
0: I think taking the bus is different, but uh, yeah, I mean, okay, hmm, I don't know just just a you
1: know i I feel like we try to do this pretty regularly on the show, but it's it's good good to remind yourself that the things that we feel like are just the most important thing in the world to everybody. Maybe it is only important to us. Yeah, that's
0: that's probably entirely true. Well. We'll just keep it going. Uh let's let's move on to something that is entirely important only to you. <laughs> In terms of the host of this show. So you
1: must be uh must be referring to uh the Switch. Yes. So that's and Nintendo's new console, the Nintendo Switch out this Friday. Um, you know, so the reason I wanted to bring it up is because all console launches are weird and kind of broken in a lot of ways, but this one in particular is just in this really weird state where, so reviewers have had the console for, I think about a week, maybe a week and a half. And again, it's coming out as we record this in two days, but the console right now doesn't do anything. There's like there's this gonna be this big kind of like day one or day zero, if it comes out tomorrow, patch that's gonna go in and add all the online functionality, the eShop, like all the sort of like core tenets of the system. Like none of that stuff is there right now. And I was I was struck because a handful of I think whatever review embargo there was was lifted, I guess probably this morning, because that's when all these reviews started um Popping up and it just, it feels like a really weird thing to be putting out reviews of this thing without basically it's like core software being on the system and i and I you know I, I put some of the blame on these um on these publishers. It feels like it's just a bunch of you know people racing to be first, but I would also kind of point the finger at nintendo and and just say like what what in the world are these guys thinking?"
0: Well but hold on. It, it it doesn't it not have its official launch until Friday. Right. So why on earth should it work before then? Are you saying that review units literally can't be played?
1: Well the, so the the review units all they do is just play games offline. But you know, if 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 the if the purpose of a review, which you know, this is sort of the stated purpose of a review, right, is to help consumers make an educated buying choice how can you possibly convey that if core pieces of the system aren't there when you review it?
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: It's kind of, it's still weird. I mean, that it, 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 it just, it, to me, it would make sense, right? If it's not ready, then don't give it to reviewers until it is
0: better to have last minute reviews than these like half baked reviews. Well, things I don't, I don't, is that the stated reason? Is that why they're not releasing it yet? I don't think that's true. There's no way that they think that 3 days is buying them the like time to do finishing touches on them. Oh, the... it's totally what it is. 100%. Have they said that? Well, what else would it be? Why else would they want to hold this stuff back? Because they don't want to flip the switch on it yet. Like do you do you think 3 days worth of work is going to like if it's if it's an abomination or something doesn't work about it, do you think 3 days really buys them the time to fix it? Maybe. <laughs> I I don't think so. Hmm. But anyway, so early reviews, all I've read is that apparently this Zelda game is going to be, like, the hardest of any Zelda game ever. Like, that's all I've gotten out of this. But do people, have they responded well to it? Do they think it's the console of the future?
1: Uh, well, so the Zelda, which is kind of, like, the key launch game, the embargo on that isn't up until tomorrow. So nobody's really been able to give, like, a full review of that yet. I think people have only been able to talk, like, about the first five hours of the game or something. Um... The other reviews have been overall I think mixed. Um I think the consensus that people are kind of getting at, which it was sort of an, an early impression when Nintendo first started showing this thing, was, you know, it's its promise is that it's gonna be one like the one console you need both for portable and home use, and what it really ends up feeling more like is a home console that you can kinda sorta like take on the road with you that then that seems to be it seems to be people's early impressions and it seems to be
0: further solidified now that people have had some more time with it so wait i'm sorry so they they do think it's an effective it, it's effective at both things or they think it's primarily it's one or the other
1: primarily a home system that you can occasionally take on the road with
0: you well so what's what's kind of the prevailing wisdom as to what they're going to like it, because this seems to be something that nintendo wants to have coexisting with the 3ds in their primarily mobile consoles but doesn't that seem like they're splitting their attention like is is nintendo going to keep going with like a dual strategy or are they going to go all in with this eventually i mean i think what people were hoping for was that they were going to
1: go all in on this and I, i would think that that's really the only way that this can be truly successful but you know, when you have a device that sells as well as the 3DS and, you know, is overall effective at what it does, it's hard to just completely scrap that for something that kind of only, you know, sort of does what the 3DS does. And the the Switch really only kind of fulfills that, you know, uh, mobile gaming need that people have
0: so I guess I I should ask it a different way. Do you think there will ever be a successor to the 3DS? Or do you think they let that die off naturally and they think the Switch is it?
1: No, I think there's a successor to 3DS. Mm. This thing, I mean, the the Switch only, depending on the situation, but like with Zelda only gets two and a half hours of battery life, which just isn't going to cut it. It's too big for, you know, for like, especially for kids. Like the, the thing with a 3DS is you can just throw it in a backpack or even just put it like in a back pocket can't do that with the switch um so i you know i think I, th- I think until they i don't know if like the next iteration of this thing or what but like until they could actually replicate the true portable gaming experience that you get from the 3DS i don't i don't think they can just scrap it it's priced too i mean because the you know the switch 300 bucks pretty reasonably priced for a, a home console that's super expensive for a portable gaming system. I mean, I think the 3DS sells for like a hundred bucks now. So, um, and, and granted, you know, that's that's after it's been out for a while. But I, I think even at launch, it, I don't think it was more than two hundred. So it's you know, it, it's it's hard to hard to sort of compare compare the two, even even though that's kind of what the promise of the Switch is. But I think it also just goes to show the point that we've brought up over and over and over again, which is devices like this and the Surface. It's the, this whole premise of being two or three different types of hardware in one—it just—it's just a—it's just a, a broken—it's a broken premise.
0: Okay, that—that's fair. But <laughs> so the su- the successor to the three DS is not the iPhone. <sighs> I mean, I, I guess I. Sorry, I, I clarify that in saying, does with the switch taking this kind of like hybrid approach that maybe leans more towards catering to the home gamer, does their mobile strategy just become smartphones? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Hmm. But again, I think which we with
1: the volume that 3ds has continued to sell at. I mean, even just even just most recently this last holiday season, there there were supply shortages of the 3DS and the 2DS. So, you know, as as long as that continues, Nintendo has every incentive in the world to continue making that thing. If and when we reach the point where people are just no longer interested in that and they aren't buying that stuff anymore, then yeah, you know. Like, I mean, I, I think a lot about with this last generation of hardware co- consoles, you know, there were a lot of questions going into the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One as to whether or not, you know, Sony and Microsoft would ever make another console again, or like would those be the last, you know, piece of hardware those companies came out with? And, you know, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One have sold at way, way faster rates than either the Xbox three sixty or PlayStation three did. I mean, co- consoles are more popular than they've ever been before. So, you know, I think the the death the death of this stuff is is sort of um Sort of exaggerated
2: hmm. okay,
0: and then there was another big piece of news, which actually to me personally, as somebody who's only casually interested in gaming, seems like bigger news, which is that Xbox has um, kind of a Netflix style, or maybe not Netflix is the best way to describe it, but that they're doing subscription video games well its sort of, it so it's going to depend on
1: the execution because if this is just a bunch of kind of like one to three-year-old games that you know nobody's out there buying anymore then this doesn't really move the needle much if if they're getting into a subscription-based netflix-like service for like day and date releases or a month or two after releases come out or games come out then sure i think that's that's a big deal but you know, paying 10 bucks a month for a service where you can play a back catalog of games, which again, if you were going to have bought them standalone, you would have done so when they came out a year or two ago. Um, I I don't know I think that's, that's a nice value add for the console, but I don't think it necessarily, you know, changes the industry dramatically. (laughs) Although I did, I did hear tonight that I guess like, um, game uh GameStop stock was down like five percent in like the 15 minutes following the the announcement so well because doesn't this destroy their used game business i potentially i mean yeah potentially again it, it comes down to i think the the selection of titles because not only is it the age but also i think in their press release they had only said that it would include like a hundred titles so you know that's that's a Big number on one hand, but on the other hand, it's only a small percentage of the overall, um, you know, overall release
0: base of the console. So, so I, I don't know. I mean, th- this this does seem very much like the Netflix approach because, like, uh, yeah, there's no way that the whatever modern um, Call of Duty 11 or whatever is going to be on here. Like, they're not going to do like. There's no way that they yeah, can but, actually do. But these. the
1: but the 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 Netflix approach would be so you know so netflix now is coming out with their own high quality content which is not only available day and date on netflix but it's only available on netflix you know if if microsoft comes out and says okay halo 6 is out next year and you can only get it if you're an xbox game pass subscriber then yeah that's a that's a huge deal and that's the netflix approach this this Xbox Game Pass that we that we know about this week this is more like the Netflix from like three four years ago.
0: Well, but can't can't they do that with like those small titles that they that they make? Like, um, what, what was what was that one like mini game that everybody loved? Like, there's that one that Mike always talks about. I can't, I can't think of what you're, what you're talking about. Well, but like all of like those Xbox arcade games that are like between 10 and $15 that people tend to really like, like, I assume those could definitely be exclusive to the service, but yeah, I don't, I don't think you're going to get EA to put uh, Madden 18 or whatever on here because like, that's just too much lost revenue. There's no way they can do that in the same way that Taylor Swift is not going to put her music on Spotify. But it doesn't mean that Spotify doesn't have value.
1: That's what I'm saying, though. Is it, it depends on the execution. If they do that, then sure, this gets gets a lot more interesting. But you know, when you put NBA 2K16, which is one of the titles that they highlighted, when you make that available to people a year after it came out, and you're already getting ready to come out with NBA 2K17, I I, I don't think that really matters. So it, it's all it's all going to be in the execution and the games that they make available.
0: Yeah, fair. Sponsor break. <laughs> uh, yeah, gotta go for it. Uh, blue. Real quick on that, have you noticed that it seems like we're getting fewer um overall podcast sponsors recently? It oh, it always feels like there's been <laughs> five or six at any given time. Or maybe it's that I just don't like the current crop of sponsors. Because every single podcast that you listen to now probably it's either sponsored by Blue Apron mac weldon whatever the hell that is um indochina like there's there's only like six companies now and they're all like they super don't apply to me
1: yeah but when when have they when have there ever been more than six companies at any given time i mean maybe you're right that this particular crop isn't the strongest but we we've always had such a limited number
0: yeah kind of but they're always those kind of like like audible is kind of the um like coca-cola of podcasting like even if, if you're not going to be a subscriber or if you already are a subscriber like it's good to know that they're around whereas whereas i don't I don't care about um uh tailored suits or at least maybe I do but but not um not ten times a day also uh with with the New York Times the Daily, which I think you recommended last week uh, and recommended earlier i I do like um whoever the person like who actually edits the podcast, how long of a pause they have to do based on the seriousness of the story and when they do the ad. I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but there's it. it's amazing. Like One time they did a super serious story, and it was like six seconds before the the ad for the five series came on. And then uh, today, after the um, the Trump speech thing, it was like a half second. Uh, I find that little extra touch to be very nice.
1: Well, so here's a, here's a question for you that I've been thinking about, and The Daily is a good example of this, where... So that, you know, that show is very much like the old school, okay, here's a 15-second ad or audio spot, done, right? Pre-read, pre-recorded, drop it in, done, versus the sort of rambling, kind of free-willing, kind of built-in nature of something like what they do on Upgrade or the talk show or all, all the kind of tech podcasts we listen to where... You know, the ad, it, it's an ad break, but it's it's not pre-recorded. It's it's sort of just like kind of part of the conversation, but again, can go on for like from anywhere from like a minute and a half to five minutes. Um,
0: what what would you rather have? So that's tricky because like the way I am with like a relay or uh or some of the other technology podcasts is that like I will listen to the first ten seconds of it, and if it's somebody I um I've already heard from and I have thoroughly considered and I I am either already a customer or it is not for me, I will immediately skip. But the thing is, if it's a podcast that does quick ad breaks that are 15 to 30 seconds, I will listen to the entire thing, whether or not it's for me, whereas the other option I will almost always skip. So on that note, like having listened to the daily over like the past two and a half weeks, I have listened to that ad for the five series every single time because it's quick brief and it's uh, like pithy it's fine but no like when it's just rambly and like the the hosts try to do like this thing like they're on a 50s tv show where they try to talk up the the whatever the product is in a really like jocular way like that actually makes me way more likely to skip it in particular gruber's ads recently have been extremely skippable Oh, yeah, I I, I totally agree. Because I don't like it just seems like they ugh. like somebody on Twitter had a really good observation about this is like you can tell when um, when the ads over when they stop being fake excited or something like I, I don't know. <laughs> like it's it's all just so like over the top like Jason is is pretty good at not being overly effusive or fake about it, but it's it's still tricky. Because I know like the 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 sponsors really want that kind of personal touch and endorsement, but that that does make it a lot more easy to skip, especially if it is the same group of uh sponsors over and over and over again, yeah, all right well, this was your uh ad break ad break of the week. <laughs> um, all right do you wanna do you wanna talk about the iphone rumors uh yeah maybe maybe make that sort of
1: the the last main topic here, yeah um so you know, we're it's just we're we're on this just absolute perfect cycle every year where we've had the you know the, we get the September launch phone comes out that takes us through the holiday season things are maybe quiet for the you know first half of January maybe even the entire month of January but then sure enough you know kind of that February March time frame every year the rumors start getting getting hot and heavy and we're in exactly the same spot this year where. You know, there's a bunch of bunch of stuff being thrown out there, but what you start to see is you start to see some commonalities between all these different reports, and then, you know, generally speaking, those sort of become what ultimately we see in in the final product. So it it seems like, you know, this go around the 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 consensus is that we're gonna get kind of like the iPhone 7s and 7s plus, like we'd you know, like we'd expect on this kind of TikTok schedule they've been on for a while. But then, for the first time, you know, either just because it's time, or to specifically to coincide with the ten year anniversary of the iPhone, we're going to get um, an iPhone Pro, or an iPhone Eight's been used as a name, but that 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 doesn't make any sense to me. I think I think I, iPhone Pro probably makes more sense, um, and that would be a, a pretty radical new device where it. I I think it's sort of like it'd be the form factor or that kind of the size of the of the smaller of the two main phones now, but it would have a screen that was closer to the size of the Plus model, when and it would achieve that by basically having no bezel. Uh, It'd be OLED, Um, and then kind of the the interesting thing that's come up um, just in the last day or two is that it might have usb c as opposed to lightning but I, I think that you know so it was the wall street journal that sort of really started pushing that but the way that they phrased it i think what that ultimately is going to mean and, and gruber's alluded to this is we'll still have lightning on the phone but the other end of the charger that it comes with will be usb c so in the box you'll get a lightning to usb c cable and then the little power brick that you get will plug into the wall, and instead of being a USB-A port, it'll be a USB-C port.
0: Yeah, that seems to make no sense. Just because unless you have a current-generation MacBook or MacBook Pro, do PC laptops even come with USB-C yet? I've Kind of. Yeah, that seems... Hmm well like let's tackle the biggest rumor like well actually i'm not sure which one is the biggest but i think the one that's most interesting is is the potential switch away from lightning so do you think this is something that apple would ever do uh i I mean ever is
1: sort of a strong way to put it but i i tend to think i I don't remember if this was gruber or snell but i tend to think that lightning is going to be the last port that the iphone's ever going to have and that the only time they're going to switch away from it is when they can do everything wirelessly because there's no financial incentive to, to get off of lightning because, you know, you have to get certified by Apple to use lightning and that generates income for Apple. Whereas of course, USB-C is an open standard, you know, they can very, very easily make, their devices or their the phones more compatible with their with their new Macs by just including a Lightning to USB C cable. And there's no 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 need to have USB C on both ends. So so no I I don't really see I guess maybe it is safe safe to use the word ever. I don't I don't really
0: see Apple ever switching from Lightning to USB C. So I I don't see it happening like I I do see it in in Tim Cook's Apple, but it seems to contradict so many things but i think new apple just doesn't care anymore like tim cook's apple is is the apple that sells five different generations of a product simultaneously no matter how much customer confusion it makes but like i can see where they see the advantage of this because i think some people at apple have to see the ridiculousness of a cable that's lightning on one end and usb c on the other like it, it it's confusing to the customer it, it's it's distinction without a difference and it just doesn't make sense um C is something that has almost all the advantages of lightning but it, is a little bit more open and more flexible and it can charge faster and can do all that kind of stuff and apple like lightning was a good connector for its time but they seem to not really understand what lightning's for either like you see like um lightning is built into the siri remote it's built into the apple pencil it's how the the magic mouse 2 or whatever that new thing that they ship with the imax is like that charges over lightning like there's a lot of weird stuff that goes along with it so i'm not i think like the the case for what lightning is is probably lost on apple at this point so i don't think it's that weird for them to go USB-C. and i think with kind of the the way they've gone all in with it on the macbook one and the macbook pros i think like there's actually a good chance that they will i don't know i just i, I don't think apple cares about taking that much of a principled stand on it it just seems like the timing is probably kind of weird um since they made such a big deal about the airpods and they removing the headphone jack and all that kind of stuff it seems like that would have been the time to make the change and it seems weird that the airpods like don't the airpods charge over lightning anyway they do yes they do it's, I don't know, it, it's weird all around, but then again, um, so was the, the reasoning for removing the headphone jack, so. Yeah, I, I don't know, I
1: just, I don't, I don't, I don't see him doing it. It's too, too soon since the transition to Lightning, and there just really isn't any,
0: there's just really no motivation for them to make the change. Well, but it, it's too soon since Lightning, because uh, the light, uh, Lightning port was introduced with the 5S, of so 5, 5S, 6, 6S, 7. So this would be the sixth... So it would have been five solid years with the Lightning connector, which is not terrible.
2: Hmm,
1: but... I mean, think about how much longer the 30-pin connector lasted. I mean, that was... 10 years?
0: Yeah, but that's before technology really got moving.
1: I don't know. I, th- I think Apple's perfectly content with owning... The connector on their most important product. I I find it hard to believe they're gonna move that to to an open standard.
0: Do you think there was there would ever be like a, a lightning two? No, because that, because that's the thing. There are legitimate technological advantage, advantages of USB C. So are you saying that they would keep it for the sake of proprietary? Yeah, but does the
1: iPhone really benefit from any of that?
0: Uh, the iPad would, and the iPhone might. Like USB-C is capable of charging a phone dramatically faster.
2: Mm. So with
0: with this with this gigantic iPhone 8 or iPhone 7s Plus or what, whatever it's supposed to be, like that is a legitimate advantage. Um, and just like the the cable confusion being eliminated with all these new computers that Apple's going to release, I mean, I think that that does count for something. I, I think people could figure out a Lightning to
1: US, USB-C cable maybe and i think that would that would solve most of the kind of weird compatibility issues we have now where if you buy a new retina or if you buy any new mac laptop and you buy an iphone you can't
0: connect the two out of the box that is, that is super weird yeah um so what do you what's what's your read on the rumors that this New like super phone allegedly costs like a grand.
1: Yeah, it, it probably will. I mean, that's not much more expensive than a top of the
0: line uh, iPhone Seven Plus today. Well, but do you think that one thousand dollar phone is going to be two fifty six, or do you think that rapidly approaches twelve hundred if it's two fifty? No, I,
1: I think the the iPhone Pro will probably start at something like twelve hundred or thirteen hundred. Not a chance. Of course, it will. But again, but again, I mean that's 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 only marginally more expensive than the top of the line current phone.
0: But it's not no the the, the top of the line reasonable iPhone is the two fifty six iPhone seven which costs eight fifty. You're talking about almost doubling the price.
1: Twelve hundred's not almost doubling. It's fifty percent. Come on. That that's that seems pretty reasonable to me, and especially if you look at it in the context of something like the iPhone upgrade program where. So I think with my um, what when I how, how much storage space do I have? Two fifty six? No, one twenty eight. I guess
0: so yours was eight seventy.
1: Yeah. So if I look at my iPhone upgrade program pricing, I think it's like forty two, forty three dollars a month. So the iPhone the iPhone Pro will be, you know, fifty to fifty five dollars a month.
0: <laughs> That's
1: not the right way to look at it. No, it's no no no, I I of course it's not, but that's that's how people look at the pricing of phones. So I I'm I'm looking at it through the lens of of an average consumer. And you know, when was it was it the I think was it was at the Wall Street Journal article that posted that the over $1000 price or maybe it was somebody before them. You know, they damn well knew what they were doing where that was a total clickbaity headline grabbing way of phrasing it
0: well how so- because because it, it's completely
1: disingenuous because they're preying on the fact that people don't think people don't look at the current iPhones and realize that you know retail
0: they're about $800 i think they do no, I, I i don't think so i don't think the american consumer is that dumb i give them more credit than that
1: really you, th- you think an average consumer if you ask them how much their the full retail price of their iphone was they'd be able to tell you I think most people can do a number times twenty-four, but 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 most people but most people wouldn't ever bother doing that. I mean, I guess they
0: they could, but people just don't think of their phone pricing that way. Maybe this is why people are renting dogs now. <laughs> Did you read that article? No. Read the entire thing. It is very upsetting. Hmm. Sorry, this is this is an article that Darth linked to earlier, but, but it's actually a very interesting article about somebody who's trying to do subprime loans uh, for very niche products uh, to target people who want certain things but can't afford it. And one of those happens to be for purebred dogs. And uh, his opinion is that we will be leasing everything soon and that a certain class of customer only thinks about the monthly payment. So maybe, but I, I honestly think most people still can think this is $43 a month. Sure. For how long? And then multiply the two numbers and think, Oh, that's a lot of money. Hmm. Otherwise we're just attaching more eels to ourselves. Hmm. All right. Picks of the week. Yep. You go first.
1: All right. So I've, I've been kind of, I've had this in my back pocket for a little while. I, I kind of thought that we would do like a separate segment on the show about these, but just every episode we've done the last month's been running long, which is, which is good. (laughs) <laughs> um, and I, I even alluded to the fact that last week I sort of had something that I was going to make a pick of the week, but thought it would be a little bit too long. But but here we are. um The AirPods. Mm. So.
0: <laughs> oh, you, you have to save that because because it, otherwise it's going to be another half hour. Um. Well, we'll. we'll I, I'm I'm going
1: for it. We'll see. You can do both. We'll, okay. we'll see. Um. So I've had them for about a month, and overall they're really really good you know my my opinion i think is largely in line with what most people say which is you know the technology is incredibly cool you know everything from the initial setup process is great the the fact that they're completely wireless even from left and right earbud is really cool the the charging case is super well made um tons and tons of people have commented on just you know how satisfying the opening and closing of the the cases and that's that's totally true um battery life's really good you know sound quality is fine um overall they're really really great and they they've sort of become uh, my my go-to headphone uh, throughout the day um and I've also really enjoyed um Using them for phone calls as well, which with all other Bluetooth headphones I've had that have had a headset as part of them, I've never never really found that to be a good experience. But with with the AirPods, um, it that has been been really really great. Um, you know the the biggest the biggest drawback from them is just the the continued mental barrier I have against sort of just like walking around with them. So you know, like I, I generally use them when I'm at my desk here at home or at my desk at work, and then like on my commute or when I'm just kind of walking around. Sometimes I'll wear them, but I, I do find myself going back to the Bose SoundSport frequently when I when I know I'm going to be out and about a lot, um, just for for fear of them falling out. Even though they, neither neither earbud has ever fallen out of my ear. Um, Unvoluntarily here in this first month that i've used them but just i kind of can't help shake that feeling that one of them might
0: Hmm. do you wish they came in black oh yeah totally (laughs) do you think that comes out alongside the ipad uh, the iphone pro for for 1.5x the price to figure out the they got to figure out how to make the white
1: ones first they're still i mean i i signed up the, on that like i now website to get a like a stock notification that's that's the only way that I got them
0: yeah i i've i and you know, i I mentioned this earlier when like about apple's retail stock levels but like yeah i i thought about impulse buying them and luckily they didn't have them because I have some philosophical opposition to them but no we'll we'll make this a full topic next week
1: um yeah they're they're overall i really really enjoy them a lot i there when cool. we maybe we can get into this more a little bit but um, th- th- I find them to be pretty buggy, um, you know, hmm. like the, the double tapping to, you can, I, by default it does Siri, but you can also set it up to just do play and pause. Um, I don't know if, if, if my right earbud is just kind of bad or what, but like, I find that the right earbud doesn't respond to that mm-hmm. often, um, every once in a while, the, so the, the coolest feature, right, is if you take one of the earbuds out, it automatically pauses your music. Mm-hmm. and that is really cool but you know about every one out of 10 times or so you do that your i it, it doesn't recognize you've done that and your music will continue to play so you know they're a little little buggy around the edges but but overall probably some of um some of the best headphones i've ever used
0: interesting cool um my pick of the week is going to be uh, i'm Actually a little scattered right now, so I don't really have a, a good one. But I'm I'm gonna go for what I've uh remembered from the day, which is uh Comcast's cable card support line. Ah, yes. So actually let me let me pull this up. Just as a as a PSA for people. Um oh, Damn launch bar. Um yeah, uh, it, the person who helped me out pair my cable card to my TiVo was uh, treated me like a competent adult. It was one of the quickest phone calls I've ever had, uh, based in the United States. She was super nice, and it all went according to plan in in record time. And it's just exceptional to get good customer service, particularly from Comcast, but also um, just from anybody right now. So if anybody doesn't have this number, it is eight seven seven four zero five two two nine eight. It is only for cable card related matters, and you will get to somebody who's very qualified to
1: help you. Yeah, I've been meaning to call them forever. My my Tivo's not since moving to this new apartment. It hasn't worked with um, HBO or um, on demand. I get like just get like the cable card setup screen.
2: Hmm.
0: But well, I have to give them a call. Yeah. And then and then quick minor uh, pick of the week. Uh, Gboard got updated to include all the iOS ten emoji. Yeah, and it also has a voice keyboard now. So have you, thumbs up have, have you been using that? Mm-hmm. Should, should, do you recommend switching to it? Gboard? Yeah. Oh, I've used it nonstop since it came out. Hmm. Absolutely recommended. Hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I can, uh, the trace typing, especially since I'm a one-handed iPhone seven guy, um, like the, the swipe typing is, is fantastic. Well, maybe I should, maybe yeah, maybe I saw I got a big update. Maybe I should try giving that
1: another shot. Yeah. I like I like the dark theme
0: it has themes mhm
1: yeah they eh, like, like, came out they came out in one of the updates um i think like around the iphone 7 launch
0: interesting oh cool all right well thanks for listening everybody until next week until next week